guys welcome back to the bread to build podcast a project dedicated to sharing the stories of the people who build and those who help move construction forward i'm brett Gowen. i'm the founder of hammer and builders of insta and today matt is stuck at work so i'm running solo i'll be jumping in with jason today um today we're going to be diving in with jason from jjp construction he's a developer based in los angeles california and we're going to be covering everything from how he got into the industry, even though he never really thought he'd get into the trades, his past life of being a musician, maybe some of the similarities between music and building, uh, choosing and working with the right business partners, and the questions you should be asking to find the right culture fit. Uh, before we dig in, I want to address all the new folks that have tuned in over the last month. We about tripled our monthly download rate, which is awesome. But uh, we appreciate your support, not only for the podcast, but most importantly, you know, our, our guests who have taken time out of their day to share value with you. We've done 24 episodes so far. We've covered topics like switching from office jobs to the trades, addressing the stigma, construction technology, building teams, mental health, and hearing from those who have really chosen to forge their own path instead of uh, taking the traditional corporate route. On our podcast, you'll hear from industry experts and also the everyday field folks and businesses that drive our industry. So feel free to uh, give some of the previous episodes a listen, hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any of our new episodes. We try to publish an episode every single week. With that being said, if you have any topics or questions that we should address on the podcast, feel free to send us a message on Instagram at bread to build, B-R-E-D, not the bread you eat. Anyways, let's get into it. Jason, welcome to the show. What's going on? Thanks for having me. I'm very excited about this. I, I'm excited to finally get you on. Yeah, I'm a big fan of you and, and, everything that, <laughs> and everything that you stand for. So I'm happy to be on here and to represent all of what you stand for and the mission behind this podcast and Hammer as well. So I'm very excited to be here. Well, the feeling is mutual, Jason. I appreciate that. Just for a little bit of context, I, I can't give the intro that you can give. Um, so for some context, give us like a couple sentence summary for the audience on who you are and what you do, and then we'll dive right in. Yeah. So to, to make it short and sweet, I am a Los Angeles developer. I build um, spec homes, luxury developments in infill lots in Los Angeles. I've been doing it for about 12 years now, built over 150 maybe homes-ish. There's the number somewhere in there. I lost count. And, um, and I'm also a contractor, so I do construction work as well. And uh, that's pretty much me. I, and I guess I'm somewhat of a content creator, somewhat. I do appreciate your videos, man. I love the goofy ones, like the the one uh, where you were getting into the little Tesla and you're like jumbling all your stuff around. <laughs> and then yeah, it's like the good. little, the, the quirky stuff. I, I love it. Bring some humor to the content. That's always fun. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think that it all, it all comes down to my passion for performing, I guess. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's like a, a day job for me uh, at all, but I yeah. do enjoy the performance and the art. And uh, that, that goes back to my musician days and then kind of putting that back into my daily 
routine, I think was just important for me at this stage of my life. So I kind of got you know, started doing that. Maybe I'll put a pin in this for when we talk about some of the questions that employees should be asking, but maybe there's a question that I want to ask around like, what so everybody sees like the perception of jjp through social media uh and like they want to work for that guy but then like the realities of like jason who's not looking through the lens of social media i'm curious to maybe like dive dive into that of like what the perception of working with jjp is like versus actually working with him so maybe we can yeah, jump into that later i'm very curious too which probably um I thought this guy was going to be so cool. This guy's a dweeb. (laughs) Just kidding. No, you're an awesome guy. Um, Okay. So you've had uh, a little bit uh, of exposure in your younger days uh, to the trades that we've, we've talked about, but uh, you know, you, you, you said and thought that you never go into the industry. Like tell us a little bit more about your story, the exposure you had and like how you got into construction. Yeah. Let me start from the beginning on that. Uh, it's kind of interesting and funny because my dad was in the trades. My dad was a, a carpenter by trade, uh, created a, a cabinet shop and was doing really, really well for himself in the cabinet business. And though I grew up in him doing that, for some reason, not only he, but I as well, never really saw myself going in the trades direction Aside from like playing with Legos and kind of being around tools in the, in the wood shop, I wasn't a handy person. I wasn't like, you know, oh, like I want to build this for myself. And I'm going to, you know, like even when I would go to the skate park, I wasn't thinking, oh, I could build myself a ramp or, you know, I could do this. Or, like I was never like, oh, let me do something with my hands. It was like, dad, can you do something with your hands? Or, <laughs> uh, you know, or, you know, uh, building a Lego set would maybe be like, the only indication of me having an interest in any sort of architecture. So when, when I got into high school, when I got, when I started college and I was already in my music, like I started music when I was 14 or 15 years old, somewhere around there where I was already, you know, booking shows for other bands. I was doing artwork direction. I was doing, you know, figuring out producing. I was getting in, I was becoming an A&R rep. I was, trying everything I could possibly try to be in the music industry, including performance. And um, so in my head, there was never any idea of me ever being in the trades. And uh, when I started college, I went to go work for a pizza shop to just make some money while I was going to college. And pretty much I wasn't making enough money, let's call it that, right? So I was still trying to work in the music industry. I was working at a pizza store. Then I was going to college at night. And I sat down with my dad and said, you know, I have all these goals in life. And none of the goals, I always tell people this, because I always think it's funny when people set goals monetarily. I think that that's always the wrong uh, motivation, at least in my mind. Set real goals, set goals that are accomplishable, not monetarily like, oh, I need to make a thousand dollars a month. I want to be able to you know, move out of my own apartment or get, get out and move into my own apartment. Or I want to be able to afford to you know, get, get to the gym every day, or I want to be able to afford to do this, or I want to be able to afford to do that. Don't put it on a monetary value because they say they need a lot, but really they only need a little bit to achieve their goal. And they don't realize that until they're actually trying to just achieve the goal. So 
Um, I sat down with my dad and told him, you know, these are my goals. These are what I want to do. Uh, you know, for me, it was move out, get my own place, um, you know, afford insurances on my own and for, afford the ability to get married and start a family. And those were kind of like the things in my head at the time. And uh, he said, well, I can't, I can't help you in the music industry. I have no connections there. There's, you know, I don't know anyone there. You've done more on your own than I could ever do for you. Uh, but what I can do for you is help you in construction. So he got me a job as a demo laborer, uh, working for a contractor on a building that my dad owned. And I just started swinging a hammer. And before I knew it, everything else in life kind of just disappeared. I wasn't like, you know, as opportunities kept on coming in the construction world, I started paying less and less attention to music. I started paying less attention to school. I started paying less attention to everything around me uh, because my goals were becoming more and more available. I started dating. I started, you know, I got married. I had a kid. Like I just started, like my life sort of began to grow from this these opportunities that were kind of in front of me that I never even saw coming. You know, the story I've told you before, though I'll, I'll reiterate again, was I remember I was actually probably just started dating my wife. And I met this famous architect who, when I met him, my dad was like, hey, this guy, you know, my son is a musician. You got to meet this guy. And, you know, he put us in touch with each other and we started talking and who knows how long we're talking for, but this guy is, you know, this world-renowned architect, does amazing work, uh, he has such a vision for everything that he does, and the whole entire time we were talking, it was about music, it was about drums, and, you know, orchestras, and, you know, recording process, and all of these things, and, you know, at the end of the conversation, it's so funny, you know, I, I'm standing here in a new house that we just built, and we're talking about music, like, <laughs> why he goes well you have no idea how interconnected the two are and you're right <laughs> what, what do you mean as well like the foundations of, of building a song and you know orchestrating a song to become what it is when you listen to it is the similar is a very similar thing to building a house you know that the architect is you know writing the song and the, the engineer is putting all of the pieces together and the contractor is you know making the music happen is producing the foundation and the, the framing and all these things and creating the song. So at the end of the day, when you see the house, that's the finished song, right? And he, when he put that in my perspective, I'm like, wow, he's right. Like it kind of, that was like the moment in my life when I was like, okay, music is no longer interesting to me. Like I really need to focus on this and become good at what I'm actually doing. And uh, realized that my I wasn't losing my passion. I was just refocusing my passion in a different direction. So that's kind of how I landed here. I love how you reframe that. That is so cool. Because it, 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 I mean, it's obvious that music was your passion, and just like rechanneling that fuel in a in a different way for that creative outlet to exist. Uh, I th just like you said, that was probably kind of like that uh, epiphany for you where it all clicked. That was a light bulb moment, yeah. 
I have a couple of questions for you, Jason. So you talked about your, your dad, um, being a carpenter. I think you mentioned he had a cabinet shop. You know, we we've talked about like, uh, passing down generational businesses previously on the podcast. And I think that's something that exists in a lot of construction families. If the, if the younger kids are going to take it over and everything, but the question that I do have for you, did did it ever occur to you that you could even take over your father's business or was that like not even on top of mind? He screwed me out of it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Man, the, the, like I said, like it never dawned on me. It, it was never even like, you know, normally I think that, like even if you go, like I'm sure Matt would be saying this. Like when Matt, when Matt was you know a teenager, his dad was doing construction. It was like I feel like it was. I don't know for sure. Obviously, he's not here to discuss it. But like you would assume that it was almost second nature for him to just feel like I'm going into construction. You know, like this was mm-hmm. something my dad did and something I'll do. And maybe you even felt that pressure yourself uh, at, at some point, maybe. But for me, for some reason, there was never this moment of like, yeah, 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 let's go into the cabinet business. Like, I just never even assumed for a second that that's where I would be in life. I wish I could say like, oh, like I just didn't like it or no, that wasn't for me. It was, you know, it was, I was oblivious to the opportunity. I just didn't even realize that that was something that I could do, that that was something that would be for me. And then either way, my dad ended up really getting out of the business early anyways. I think he also didn't envision it for his children, uh, which might be the reason why uh, that it wasn't something that he kind of instilled in me to think, because I think he was out the door anyways. Like he was, he was looking at building other businesses or doing other things and other ventures. And um, his heart wasn't in it anymore Mm -hmm. by the time I was a teenager. So that might be why. Okay. Makes sense. So you went to college, what'd you study? And then like after college, like what was your next step there? So I was already kind of running my own business by the time I was close to being done with college. And I went to college to get a business management degree, uh, which I got. Um, Worth it? Man, it's a, it's a, it's a long discussion, but I will say that it's a, Cash 22. You don't need it. Personally, for me, uh, I do not feel like my education truly helped me. I almost really wish I would have gone to a trade school and just really learned the, the foundations of, or the, at least the basics uh, to some degree of, of a lot of trades, because it took me so long to learn so many of the trades just by being part of it. If I would have had an accelerated opportunity to learn a lot faster or know things immediately going into it. I feel like that would have been great, but I also didn't care so much when I first started to know everything. So I didn't realize this would be a career. Um, and I felt like I had to go get a college degree, not because of any other reason. I just didn't know what I was doing. Right. So I had to go get an education to transfer that into something. And then by the time snowball was rolling, I was already so engaged towards the end. I almost didn't care about graduating. Today, for me, the education uh, didn't do anything for me, but I also am smart enough and capable enough to source and be resourceful with information that I'm lacking. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people are not. 
And if you're not, if you're not really capable of like, you know, I know for instance with you, like when you're thinking of an idea about your business, like you go, you dive deep into everything that you need to get into to figure out if, if there's a viable idea to it, if it's going to be functional, like who are the top three people you can talk to about this idea and get real feedback from it. You know, people in these trades, like they're, they're not necessarily that resourceful, right? They know what they know, like, you know, framers know framing and electricians know electrician. Like how many times have you heard a story that like a plumber just doesn't care about, you know, this guy's trade, like he just goes right through the next where guy, he needs yeah. to go. And, like the electrician is like, you know, wrapping his wire around something or, you know, all those like funny stories. It's, it's only, tr it's only funny because it's so true. So many of these yeah. tradespeople just do whatever they want and they aren't thinking through the next stage. So if you're smart enough to not need formal education, but willing to educate yourself on the things that are, are a necessity for running a business, then do whatever education you want to do. Go to the classes you need to get. Like, right? Like, if you need if you need some basic accounting, go to an accounting class. Like, you don't need to go yeah. to business school to learn accounting. You can just go to an accounting course, right? Uh, like, if you don't know QuickBooks, but you want to learn QuickBooks, learn QuickBooks. There's like a thousand free YouTube. Yeah, you can uh, YouTube. It. Yeah, like there there's so much available to the things that you need to like just understand how to run a business you don't need to go to a four-year university to learn about history psychology uh learn how to write a, a you know doctorate you know learn poetry and william shakespeare and learn you know finance that will never be something that you put into your daily use like i, I joke all the time i took statistics and i got an a in statistics you know one of the things i always talk about is the bell curve I love talking about the bell curve. It's a very interesting. It's very useful for what we do as designer builders. But if you asked me to do any equation in statistics, I would fail. I passed the course. I got probably the best grade in the class, but it was for that brief moment that I knew statistics. I've never yeah. used it. Memorization. I don't, I, I don't know statistics anymore. It was memorization. So uh, trade school all the way. It's like, if you know, you want to be in the trades and you know that like that's your vision for your future, you don't need college. If you're smart enough to figure out the, the gaps in knowledge that you might have, I hope that answered the question. For sure. So you're telling us that you learned two things that one, you can have a really, really, really successful career in construction and you don't have to go to college. Like that doesn't fit the stigma, Jason. I am telling you that. I am telling you that. <laughs> not, not only that, um, ed education is one of those things that I always felt forced into. Like I did, I almost did it only because I didn't want my kids to ever tell me that they, they didn't have to. Like, can you believe, like, I spent whatever amount of money I spent on college uh, under this assumption of, I want to make sure that my kids don't have an excuse not to go. Mm. It's crazy uh, to think about it now, but there's obviously uh, careers that you need education for, doctors, lawyers, mm -hmm. accounts, that they all require degrees, right? So if you're going to go and become an engineer, then yeah, you got to go to college. It sucks. I'm sorry, but they'll make it through. But yeah, you can be very successful without going to college. You don't need it as long as you're no. smart. Yes. And resourceful. Uh, and one thing that I want to add too is 
as much as, you know, education can be an important, depending on how you're applying it. I think self-education is the most important thing. There's so many people that, you know, they'll go through a high school or college or whatever, and then they'll just stop learning. Yeah. And you, you got well, 60, 70 more years or whatever under your belt. And you're just, I mean, that that's been the most surprising. If anything, it's self-education that. Actually very funny you say that. Yeah, it's true. I want to talk about uh, you getting a start in your career. So you started at what, 2008, 9, 10, pretty much in the middle of a recession? Pretty much, yeah. At the bottom of the recession, yeah. You're crazy, man. What was it like starting out? I, Dude, you, you became I, I, a I developer in the beginning? I, I didn't know. Uh, yeah, I didn't you didn't know. know otherwise. So, okay. I Makes didn't sense. know. It's the truth. Like, I, if I knew how perfect the timing was, of my investment career, I would have done so many more deals. I would have been so much more aggressive. Yeah. What, what do they call it? What do the what do the kids call it? Bullish. Bullish. Yep. Is that is that the right? Phrase? I don't know about kids. I think just, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's bullish. <laughs> right. The kids are saying that. <laughs> well, like, it's the I, common I phrase been... of like what blood in the streets buy real estate. I don't know. I don't know what it actually means, but yeah. I, I feel like they use it in uh, crypto. But like, um, I'm not a very avid stock investor, so I'm really using that phrase, not really knowing yeah, yeah. truthfully. But I, I would have been so much crazier. I would have been like, dude, like I've got to buy apartment buildings. I've got to buy. I've got to buy real estate. Just I've got to absorb as much real estate as possible. I mean, like I go back in time and think about all of the deals that I passed on, thinking. Someone's gonna buy that deal and they're gonna lose, they're gonna lose their money. They're gonna lose, they're gonna, they're gonna fail. Like they're stupid for buying it. And now I look back at those and I go, I'm the I'm the idiot. I'm the idiot. <laughs> now, um, there was a meme, I think you, I think you uh, put it up, but when you grow up with a dad in trades, the the common phrase when you drive by something is that they, you know, my dad would say, Jace, you see that building there? Mm. I did the cabinets in that building. Jace, you see that building over there? I did the cabinets in that building. You know, like there, there's a meme that you put up about that somewhere yep. on the, the Hammer hammer app. But it, it's the same thing. Like now I drive by and I go, you see that house there? Yeah. built that house. You see that house there? I didn't build that house. I should have. should have <laughs> bought that one. Totally missed the ball on that. And like, there's so many opportunities that it, and then looking right now, even in today's environment, if we're going to go to like that, you know, conversation of mm-hmm. investment in real estate, where, where the world is going, like, it's so hard to see, right? Because we haven't had that dip. We haven't had that, uh, truthfully, uh, you know, everything is building up so much. And yeah. with all the stimulus that happened over COVID, with all the, you know, everything happening, the rates dropping like crazy. So. So everything kind of just kept on going higher and higher. So that, that as the, you know, if the pressure relieves, it just kind of flattens out. Like you don't want to drop, you know, when, when you drop, that's when you have a recession or depression, right? But yeah. if, it, if it leveled out and it played out evenly, you know, you'd have a really great thriving economy. Like you just be like, great, things are moving appropriately. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like, even right now, like I don't know where things are going as much as, that, you know, as much as we like to, you know, analyze and dictate, you know, the shortfall that we had once COVID hit, you know, there was a three month time gap, maybe when COVID hit that, you know, times were really uncertain as to where things were going to go. 
it just shot up right from there. Like it was a small dip and then it just shot back up. So it's hard to see, but the opportunities are, I forgot what the question was, but so I kept on going. I, I, I wanted to learn more about like what it was like. So you started out as a developer. Um, you, you've recently got into to contracting, but tell us a little bit more about like the, 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 the developer versus builder world and what that transition has been like. Yeah. So, I mean, one, I think it's pretty funny. You know, most people start out as a laborer, become a subcontractor, become a contractor. And eventually once they were, you know, once they have enough money to eventually become an investor, they become a developer. And for me, I kind of went from labor to supervisor, to partner, to, you know, developer, essentially. And then I split off with my partner and began investing on my own and then became a, a general contractor and then became a subcontractor. So I kind of went <laughs> like in a reverse order, um, which is interesting. But to answer your question, there's a difference, I guess, between builder and, well, so first of all, sorry. Uh, so developer is a broad spec, it's a broad word, right? Like you even have developers in, this, in the, the tech space, right? Mm -hmm. So what's a developer? A developer, you know, and when we're talking about in real estate, even more narrowing that down, right? So we're a you know, single family real estate developer, commercial real estate developer, but whatever kind of development that we're doing, you know, a developer is kind of like a producer. So they can choose all of the actors in the show and then build that production, right? So they're building, they're hiring the designer, the architect, the contractor, any subcontractors, anything of that nature. And then they put those people into effect basically create the product, whatever it is that they're building. Really the, the differences are between build, what, what is a builder versus what's a general contractor. Uh, I really identify more with the builder than I do with the general contractor because, because I'm a real estate developer anyways, what a builder does is they build a product, right? So there's a expectation that is already included with their builds, right? KB Homes, Toll Brothers, whatever the builder is, they have, they're a builder, right? They're not a general contractor who's building a home for somebody, even when you pre-purchase that. They have a product that's already available. And you, you can pick and choose some things and you can go through some items and some discussion, but overall they're building you a product. So when people come to me and ask me to build for them, it's because they, they've seen so much of the work that I've done and I have a product that I can already provide to them at some minuscule changes or whatever. And then that, that product becomes there. So I'm usually the builder of that product. A general contractor is someone who's, in my opinion, goes on the note contract, right? Everything that is being done is being done by contract. Uh, foundation needs to be built. You know, there's a contract for the foundation. And the general contractor is really someone who's just facilitating the contracts between that subcontractor and the client and they're really just that middleman to get everything produced mm -hmm. so that's that's the difference between them so you're primarily doing spec builds then right primarily yeah yeah okay and um how how i ended up here yeah i still don't know i'm just orchestrating man i'm just, I'm just along for the ride 
<laughs> I love it, man. You're playing to your own tune. We have yeah. a lot of music references in the in the episode. I like that. You stayed true. I like to that it. too. <laughs> um, for the ambitious folks, you know, I, I think there's a, a notion that you know you're young and hungry and you should go off and start your own business versus like going and working for someone. You started off working with a developer. Mm-hmm. Um, would you recommend someone going and working for a business before starting off on their own, or what would your what advice I- be around? Yeah, one of, one of my favorite things about this business is that you get paid to learn. Mm. Everybody that I hire that works for me is on, on a daily basis is being paid to learn. Like they can mess up, they can screw up. Yeah, they might get fired or there might be consequences, but they're not, they're not taking any heat for any of their things. Even though they're responsible to some degree, they just get paid to learn. You know, if there's a, a damaged item and it costs me $15,000, they don't get a $15,000 pay cut, right? They still get paid every single day because they're showing up as an employee and they got to learn. They got to see their boss take a $15,000 hit on something that they screwed up on, but they are, they are just the witness of it. And they get to learn from those experiences and understand how did I react to it? Maybe I reacted poorly. Maybe they would have handled it differently. Or maybe they really enjoyed seeing how I reacted to it and saying, wow, like, I need to learn from that. that. That experience was really good. Jason handled that well. And I need to bring that into my life, right? So when 5, 10, 20 years down the line, when they're, whatever the time frame is for them, once they're really ready to grow, you know, they'll have so much paid experience in, in this field that to go off on your own. I mean, when I see 20-year-old kids, and I truly mean you know, kids that are, you know, they grew up working with their dad and then they somehow become these, you know, sales reps of some sort that they're running their own business, but they really don't know how to run a business. They're running a business basically for their dad or for their uncle or for whoever. And, you know, they treat themselves as if they're, they're running this business, like they're so, you know, they're hungry and they're successful and they're pushing and you know, maybe they're making a great amount of money because they're making money on these sales that they're doing. They really don't know what they're doing in business. So they're going to eventually fail or learn through that process. And it's, it's going to be a much more grueling learning process when you've got to take on the learning and the growing and the, the business pains along with everything else. So you know, even if they're making, let's say, $100,000 a year, but they're taking hit after hit after hit, learning all the things that they could have learned for free mm-hmm. from a boss or a mentor or something like that. That's tough. And then not really knowing how to deal with it on a business level is a whole other thing. So if you really don't know what you're doing, yeah, go get a job and learn, learn from someone. And I've mentioned this before, like in my upstrive interview, I spoke a lot about mentorship and the interesting thing about that is, you know, people think, oh, there's somebody successful. Let me, let me, ha- let me get them to be my mentor or let me learn from them. But the truth is, is you don't, you don't just want just any successful person to be your mentor. That's not what you're looking for when you, or when you're looking for a boss or a mentor, which this will also go into, you know, the later things that we talk about with um, employment. But what you're really looking for is you're looking for someone who's in the same, going in the same direction that you are going in has been down the road that you're looking to travel on and will give you the easiest route to get there. 
right? If someone took 20 years to get where they are and you're looking at that person 20 years in the future going, I want to be where you are, genuinely taking the, the road that you did, how do I get there in 10 years? You found a great mentor. Mm-hmm. But if you're just like, oh, this guy is really rich, really successful, you know, super good looking, <clears throat> you know, uh, and like, and, you know, and like, oh yeah, that guy should be my mentor. No, like that's the wrong yeah. way to really view uh, looking for a boss or looking for a mentor because you're not going to learn anything. I tell people all the time when they come to interview with me, like, you know, what do you want? What do you want to do in the next five years? That's the question. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's usually a mumbled answer of, I want to be a general contractor. Mm-hmm. And, and I can very clearly tell them, you know, if you come work for me, the likelihood of you coming out of working for me in five years from now, in 10 years from now, is you're not going to be a good general contractor. I teach my guys how to build. I don't teach my guys how to be a general contractor. Mm-hmm. I don't teach you about the notices that you need to perform and, uh, you know, the contracts that need to be dealt with and the, the money transitions that need to happen and like how to deal with cash flow in a business or all those sort of things. I'm just not teaching my guys that stuff because that's not stuff they need to know. I want them to be proficient builders. I don't want them to be dealing with a business. That's what my headache is for. Mm-hmm. So and then they'll, they'll usually be taken back and go, no, I really want to work for you. Like what you do is amazing. It brings up the whole, like we were talking about mentors. Um, I really don't like the notion of being self-made. Sure. You're the one that has to wake up every day and have the discipline to execute and everything. That's only comes down to self, but this whole like nature of being self-made and not having to stand on any shoulders of giants, whether that's a mentor or anything, I think is such BS. Or if you don't, uh, it's a much harder route. Like just, oh yeah, you know, surfacing the unknowns that you didn't know are there is immensely helpful in finding someone that's you know two, three, four steps ahead of you. Exactly. They're just gonna they're just gonna turn over the stones that you didn't even know that were there. Yeah, or or at least give you uh, the caution signs. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you can get lucky and not like I mean people tell me all the time like. You haven't, you haven't seen a recession. You haven't been hit, you know, hard. Like, like we were in 2008. Uh, yeah. Like I, I, the truth is like, yeah, I've been lucky. So like, I haven't seen those hits. I, I saw it a little bit, you know, when, when we hit COVID and like, I was definitely, you know, doing my best to prepare for what could potentially come when that did happen. But by no means have I ever seen a crash really in my, in my professional career. So they're right. Yeah. I, you know, I do every, everything that I do, even at risk, you know, I try to do it with preventative risk, right? Like how do I make sure that I'm safe on the end of this investment? Yeah. But you can't, you can't prepare yourself for an extreme loss. You can't prepare yourself for a market that dips so fast that, you know, you don't know what's coming. So, mm-hmm. you know, when I'm talking to my, my mentors, uh, one of, one of them being my father, you know, it, it's like, we just have to try everything that we do. We just have to try for the best that we possibly can. And like, you know, let's be careful. You know, how many properties should we be buying? What, what should we be taking up? Should we be buying this deal? You know, it doesn't have the right margins for protective, for, for protective measures, right? Like mm-hmm. we would go into deals and think, okay, we're going to make $400,000 on this deal. If we see a crash, if the market goes down 20%, how are we looking? 
my dad would say, you know, okay, so was food on the table? Did you get fed? You know, is everyone eating? Are we okay? Mm-hmm. Are we gonna are we gonna get past this? But, you know, maybe we didn't make four hundred. Maybe we made a hundred. Did we cover our bills? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So it wasn't a loss. It was, it, you know, let's just keep on moving because the idea is like this is the business we're in, and we have to continue, continue going forward. Like nothing, nothing should be able to stop you. Like if you're a manufacturer of gaskets, like just because the demand for gaskets lowers at some point in time, what you manufacture gaskets, you got to make gaskets. <laughs> There's nothing else. Obviously you can pivot, right? You can try to sell it to a different item or you can try to, you know, figure out where else gaskets can go or what your machinery can build mm-hmm. by making gaskets. But that's just pivoting your business. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you're a gasket maker. So this is what you do. And this is what I do. So we'll see. Since we're on the uh, the topic of mentorship, um, we were on a call, uh, I don't know, like a week ago, and I thought it was just awesome that you brought up some of this context. But um, walk us through some of the top questions that you know employees should be asking to find the best culture fit. And then why are some of these questions important to that? So what would be some of those top questions? Yeah. So, well, l- l- let me take that back real fast. Okay. I think one of the most important things in building a business is building a culture. Mm. Okay. So you, as a business owner, you need to know what the culture of your business should be. Um, To say that in construction, it's easy to build a culture. It is not um, because you're dealing with a lot of different types of people and culture is usually, it's, it's usually derived from, from a single source. So you have to find people that are very similar to that culture to make, make that really make sense. So like you, you can find that in an office where people who are usually going to be secretaries have the same usual cultural rootedness in their, their, their behaviors, right? Like how they treat people, how they act. And I'm not using culture as like a Jewish thing. I'm using culture, like just in their rooted values and who they are Mm -hmm. as people. So like, you know, type A personalities and things like that. Those are like a culture thing. Of a, of a person. So when you have an office staff filled with, you know, multiple action type things on a daily basis, you know, accounting softwares and, you know, scheduling and, and secretarial type things, maybe you can easily build a culture out of that, right? How are people mm-hmm. the same, right? You build, like you find the three things that make people mostly the same. And you say, that's my culture for the office. And then you, you hire people that fit in that culture. What's interesting and what, what brings me back to what you were talking about is people don't know their own culture. People don't know really what they want from their companies. And the interview process is supposed to try to dig that out of people. It's supposed to really kind of, I, from the few questions that I ask you, I need to really under, identify who you are and whether you're going to fit really well with my company. What I find interesting and what we were talking about is that most people don't do the same back. People are only interested in very few elements of the job interview. Uh, the main one being how much does it pay? You know, people are always ask like, what's the salary? That's almost all they want to know. And then will you hire me? Right. It goes <laughs> like, that's it. They don't ask 
uh, remind me. So I'll try to, to read some of the, to, to rattle off some of the questions, but you might need to help me fill in, but like, you know, uh, what do people do on breaks? Uh, hmm. You know, what's the, what are the hours look like? How often do people stay late? Um, you know, uh, what happens after work? Is there camaraderie with, with employees? Um, like, are there office staff parties or are there day-to-day -day work environment? What does a day look like for me? I think one of the most important ones that you brought up was when mistakes are made, how do you guys go about fixing them? Sure. Oh, th this was also a really important one. Uh, what, what is your pay schedule to your subs? Mm. A lot of the times, one of the major things that I hear from people who are unhappy in their jobs uh, in, in the construction field is they go, oh yeah, like subs call me all, all the time. My boss isn't paying them on time. They sent me an invoice 30 days ago and they haven't gotten paid. They don't want to come finish the job until they get their deposit or you know all of these complaints about payment towards their subs. So then they look bad. And if they can't produce the job, then they look bad to their boss because they can't get the subs to come get to the job. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, you know, this ripple effect, all because the boss has a 90-day pay schedule, right? Where they receive invoices, they process yeah. that for 30 days and, and then they get the checks done and whatever. And you know, so it's it's a very interesting thing that people normally don't care what what system they're coming into. They usually just want to get hired at the the rate that they're looking to get paid. And then if they don't fit, then they just get out and they go on to the next mm -hmm. one, right? Whereas if you're really interested in rooting yourself in a place where you can learn and grow and succeed, you should find cultural fits that work with you, right? Like what kind of person are you going to be mentored by? Mm. Um, which is like a huge thing. Like you should look at your boss as a mentor, as someone that you're going to learn from because that's what they're there for. They're there to just teach you how to do your job perfectly so that way you don't screw it up for them. <laughs> You know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. That's interesting because, uh, you know, Matt and I get uh, a lot of people that will reach out to us and say like, hey, man, I'm working for this crew. They work this way or my boss is this way or he doesn't handle mistakes very well, so on and so forth. And what I'm hearing from you, maybe I'll just summarize it a little bit is like, sure, compensation is like the kind of like bedrock of it, of like, obviously you need a certain amount of money to meet your needs. And then like if benefits or perks is part of that equation. That, that's kind of like the foundation of it. Sure. But I like that you bring up like the work environment. What are the, what are the habits of the people within that organization? Where do they spend their time after work? Are lunch breaks a thing? Cause that will give you a pretty good representation of like what that crew is like to work with. And then exactly. what do they do on the weekends? Are they, are they working? Do they, pop open a beer uh, at lunchtime or after work, that will give you a really good representation of like who are going to be the people that you're going to be working with and how are the, those mistakes are, are corrected. But the last one you bring up, and I wasn't even thinking about this one either, but it's like the business or reputation of like what it's like to work for uh, the general contractor, the builder, the boss, whatever it is, is, you know, the fundamental thing of like, do people get paid on time? Uh, are you paying your subs every 30, 60, 90 days? Or do you subcontract to the work or do you actually do the work? And yeah, so, do you self-report, yeah. And so those are like really good questions that you bring up. And, you know, I was just surprised when we were on the phone call that not a lot of people ask these questions back and then they kind of get into uh, uh, the crew or, or the business and then they're just completely baffled that it did not meet their expectations. Yeah. And Isn't then that that's, that's, that's why we kind of, as an industry complain about culture fit is because 
I don't know, there is a culture fit for someone who does want to be part of that versus someone who doesn't. And so maybe it's just that we're not right. Or from like the employee standpoint is that we're just not asking the right questions. Well, to bring this full circle, it's hard to view my own content uh, subjectively and say, oh, like, you know, Jason is funny or Jason is whatever, whatever it is that I'm watching of myself. I'm usually just judging myself. I'm not really judging the content that it brings to the, to the outside world or how people view it. And you, you had said, you know, the, the image that I give online, <laughs> yeah, is, is that the same culture that you, know, you walk into uh, if you were to work for me? And the, the truth is, I don't know the answer, right? I think that there's, there's a semblance of truth. Like, I mean, I am that person that I, that I am online. I don't think I'm a fake by any means. So I, I am that kind of goofy, you know, uh, person, but at the same time, when it's business, when it's decision-making, when it's, uh, when it's really time to actually get serious, there's an off switch to just be like, here's what needs to get done. You know, here's the directives, here's what needs to happen. And it's not, it can't always be, you know, that sort of goofiness that, that produces, if I was that way all the time, nothing would ever get done. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't know, like, it's very interesting. Like when I think about other builders that I know in person and I, and I see them online, when I look at them and I'm, I'm sure you and I know a lot of the same people mm-hmm. We're probably, we're probably even thinking of the same people, truthfully. Um, there is one builder in mind that I know you and I both know, and he's probably as as tight of a ship as he seems in on on social media. But you know, everyone's got their own characters, and you can see them, and you you can see what they portray. You can see who they are as people in some semblance of the word, but that doesn't give you the full culture of of them and their business and who's who's in that business. So it's really important that when you're, you know, this is advice to the people listening is that if you're, if, especially if you find a builder that has, that has a, a charisma that you like and you want to get to know more and you want to learn from more, do, do your due diligence on what's important to you and make sure that what's important to you is important to them. And then you will actually have a very successful career uh, learning from them. If you don't do that, you're going to just, have empty expectations that will never be met. Mm-hmm. Well said. Um, one of the questions that I want to ask you before we wrap up into our fast five is, you know, you're started off in developing, you're still doing development. You're building now. You have a landscape yep. company, mm-hmm. which we didn't touch on very much. Uh, but like, what what what's next for you, Jason? <laughs> Going back to music, baby. No, I'm kidding. Um, keep writing your own scripts <laughs> truthfully you know i have found a lot of comfort in where i am right now like people always ask me are you doing are you going to do 20 million dollar developments next or are you going to you know do the next big house or are you going to have a show on netflix or you know what are you going to do next what are you going to do next and like i said i'm just along for the ride you know um i, I definitely have my own goals but they're not they're not tied to like these things of like, Oh, like, should I have a show or, you know, should I do a development that big or, you know, whatever it's, it's goals like, you know, making sure 
that my kids are set and making sure that my wife is you know going to be secure. God forbid something happens to me or like things of those natures of like just making sure that like my family is secure and that the people around me are secure, that they're safe and that they feel safe. Uh, and it, you know, the circle just needs to keep on widening in, in at least in my eyes, How, however, you know, whoever I'm responsible for, I want to make sure that they're taken care of as well. So uh, those are kind of my own, my own goals and how I look at it and whatever steps come along in this ride of life is, you know, if I see that those steps provide the opportunities for success and, you know, fit within my goals, then I'm along for the ride. I, I will say that what I was starting to say is that I've, I've become very comfortable in the products that I, that I build. So like for me to build a $20 million house is not something that I desire to do. Not that I wouldn't do it. I'd love to do it. In fact, by accident, I might have one in the next two years, uh, just from how I bought it and where it might sell in the next two years, depending on where the market goes. But, but I, I, I found my comfort zone of the builds that I build and what I do and, and the products that I provide. So in terms of that, I don't know. When I already do commercial, um, you know, I have a lot of commercial property. Keep writing your own scripts. Exactly. Just this is a writing. music thing. Just keep yeah. writing. I'm along for the, the person who loves the person who loves writing will always be a writer. I will say that, like, look, like, it's important to have goals and it's important to to have a, a focus on where you want to be heading. Uh, for me, those things are different than I feel like most people. I don't know. Uh, I'm very very family oriented and very family focused mm -hmm. and and like my own desires. So like those are usually the things that drive me, not necessarily, you know, I'm not driven by material things or anything of that nature. So those are my motivations and that's kind of what I stick to, but it is important to have a motivation. So for those of you listening, you need to kind of have something that points you forward. As long as you're moving forward, you know, you won't, you won't fall back. Mm -hmm. Well said. Jason, before we end all of our episodes, we end with our fast five. It's five questions to be answered in a sentence or less. Number one, it's uh, a very difficult one. Pizza or tacos? Pizza. Oh man, that was quick. And you're in LA? What? <laughs> Pizza. All right. All right. If you're in San Diego, it'd be, it better be tacos. If I, if I was San Diego bread, yeah, it'd definitely be tacos. All right. You're a, tr you're a trustworthy man now. <laughs> Number two, this might be a tougher one. The most underrated musician today is. Mm, damn. Underrated. Well, I, I do think Ed Sheeran is an incredible artist. I don't know if he's underrated though. Uh, is, does Eminem count as a musician? I would say so. We could put him in that category. Eminem. Okay. He did. He did have a little bit of comeback though because of the Super Bowl, but like I think that he's still pretty underrated. What about overrated? Is there anyone top of mind? Overrated. Olivia Rodriguez. Or I'm gonna have to Google that. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe maybe I shouldn't know who this is. <laughs> I don't know. That the girl who sings A B C D. E, oh F. yeah, God. Yep. That's gonna be what stuck in my that? head. The, the no, don't just stop there. Yeah. It's gonna be stuck in my head. <laughs> <laughs> I think right. that's her name too. I don't know. I don't know. It could yeah. be. You, you'd know better than I do. Uh, number three, the best piece of advice you've ever been given. I have so many good pieces of advice, man. That's a hard one to say. The the best, the best would be the best. Um, 
I'll tell you, I'll tell you something that relates to me right now. Okay. We'll that. do that. The, the right um, now. Wisdom, the wisdom. Yeah. When, when you get to a level of success, this may not be a quote. So just a piece of advice, I guess. And when you get to a level of success, there's always going to be uh, challenging moments. There's going to be people trying to tear you down. There's going to be uh, people trying to take away from you. There's going to be people trying to feed off of you, however they possibly can, whatever that could mean in your situation. And what you have to do when that is happening is one, stay positive and two, keep on moving. Mm. Uh, that is, that is it. Because if you allow anything to stop you, you will be stopped. It, you know, you have to look at yourself as an immovable force. And if you can continue to go through, you know, there, there's a country lyric, like keep on moving, don't slow down, just walk right through it. Mm -hmm. um, it you'll get through the other side. If, but you got to keep on moving. If you don't keep on moving, it, you, you will be stuck in perpetuity of whatever is going yeah. on. Keep on going and there will be another side. You will get out the other side and you will be fine. And uh, that's, that's a really good piece of advice for me. That's me talking to myself right now. So I love that. Keep on moving. It, it reminds me of, uh, uh, I think the quote is something like, if you're going through hell, keep going. That's the one. That's the that's the song. Is that playing. the one? Okay. Yep. Yeah. It, it all like whenever times get uh tough, I always remind me that like character is built through adversity. It doesn't yeah. really matter how you kind of portray yourself when you're on top. Everybody's gonna feel good when you're on top or having that feeling of like momentum, the wind is at your back, like everything. But in the moments where it's not like that, yeah. that's that's where it you're really defined. So I, I like that you brought that up. Um Number four, your one message to the next generation would be? It doesn't matter what you think you want to do or what you think you want to be. Don't judge anyone or anything. If you're looking to be successful and you're, you've got an open mind to what success can be, when opportunity knocks, just say yes. Take opportunity and, and let it let it show you what it has to offer you, as opposed to just shutting the door. We we can look down on all these jobs and say, oh, like you're working with your hands all day, you know, or whatever, you know. And we we close the door so quickly on those opportunities. But if don't do that, right? Like if, if you grew up conditioned that you have to become an accountant or you have to be a white collar in, in an office somewhere, and like you just have an opportunity to see what that could look like. Don't close the door on that. See what those opportunities look like. I am the number one example, exhibit A, of what those opportunities look like. It was mm -hmm. something I never imagined in my life would be the thing that I do today. And for me to have my mind open to those opportunities, see what those come to, and follow that path of opportunity just brought me to a place that I never thought I'd be. So uh, that would be my advice for somebody. I love that. It, it, it's your, it's your journey going for full circle of you, you had the opportunity and then you just became like laser focus. Exactly. And created your own tune. Um, number five, the last one, what does bread to build mean to you? Almost exactly what I just said. Um, All right. <laughs> literally it would be a verbatim of it, but it's, it's the platform uh, uh, that that hammer provides that the bread to build provides that allows people to seek opportunity and allows people to 
know that there's opportunity out there. That this isn't this isn't the industry that people think it is and that, that people have come to believe it is it's not it's so much more than that but i mean the the success that i see in this industry from people every day the the growth that i see i mean like i follow so many journeymen because because of hammer and just to see them get so excited about the next year and their their new tools and how excited they get about this and that and, mm-hmm. and the trade shows that we go to and the the, the the experiences that those provide and the the courses and those little like ah, blanking on what those things call are called but like those sets that everyone has to build and they like perform yeah. like someone wins and whatever mm-hmm. like who, who's the fastest like this, to put something together yeah what are those it's like this, the the skill show or something yeah like the that. skill shows yeah. or whatever like, i mean the, those things are just things that like you know like why isn't that a competition that kids are doing in high school too? Like, mm-hmm. why are they just doing volleyball and basketball? Like, why can't they be doing that stuff <laughs> yeah. also? Like, you know, that's what it is to me. That's what, that's how I look at it. it you know, regardless of, of where that business, the, the business might go. Uh, I think that that the platform itself stands for something much bigger than where the business should, will be. In, in general. So like when I look at that bread to build and, and hammer and, and everything that you're doing, um, that's how I see it. I love that. Jason, uh, thanks so much for joining. Uh, well, me, I was going to say us on the bread to build podcast before <laughs> we, uh, let you off the hook. Where can people find and connect with you? Well, you can find me at JJP construction on Instagram. You can find me, at Jason pie on TikTok, and you can find me at Jason Pye at, on YouTube, uh, which I have a show on YouTube called Buy, Build, Sell, which mm-hmm. takes you through the buy, the build, and the sell of real estate and construction. And um, hopefully that's that's also some good content for you to follow too. So, Jason also does a lot of Q&As. So if you're ever wanting to follow up on this episode and you have some questions, that's right. um, Jason's a very helpful guy. He'll uh, yeah. likely and get to I, your Sunday, Sunday questions. I like to call it Sunday questions. It gets me away from the wife and kids. (laughs) I'm joking, honey. I'm joking. (laughs) Love you. I love that. Um, Guys, thanks for listening to another episode of the Bread to Build podcast. Uh, If you like the show and you want to support us, all we ask is you hit that little subscribe button. Uh, Give us a little shout out on social media. Everybody that has been doing that over the last uh, several episodes. uh, Thank you for that. Again, thanks for tuning in. Uh, You can find me on all platforms at We Are Hammer or feel feel free to connect with me personally at Brett Gowen. We'll see you guys next time on the Bread to Build podcast. (laughs) 